0: If you'd like to turn back to that passage this morning um, in uh, Philippians 3, that would be helpful to follow that as we continue in our series. And um, we're looking at this morning the title, Transformed Lives. Now, before we get to that, um, I don't know whether any of you saw a program last Monday evening. It was a Panorama program. I don't tend to watch them, but... uh, it, it was interesting, you see, working in the avi- aviation industry for 40 years and being on the quality side of things. Bob Kane uh, was a co-worker with us there, though he had more exalted positions than I did. But it, it, it does grab the interest because you know of all the paperwork and the specifications that go into building things. And, uh, and of course, this was about the Boeing 737-8MAX, uh, which is now grounded. We should praise God that it's grounded as well um, because it's had two terrible air crashes. And, um, and the reason for this is because they have to... When they build a new aircraft, they have to put the specification to... If it was in this country, it would be to the Civil Aviation Authority or, in America, it's the... Uh, uh, the FAA the, I think that 's the Federal Aviation Authority, but somebody can correct me on that afterwards and and if we were doing the same sending a plane over there, it, they, they would check it out the same as we would check their planes out but to uh, they had a completely new revolutionary uh, system on that plane, which of course consequently caused the, these awful crashes and uh, and to get it through they played it down and buried it within the specification and said there's nothing changed in the design because they've been building 737s since, uh, since I was a boy, and, um, which is a very long time ago. A teenage boy, of course. But, uh, but so, uh, so this was never looked at as thoroughly as it should be, and it had tragic consequences. Now, what was the upshot? Why, why was the reason given for this because profit is the overruling uh, card in this, the profits of Boeing are massive. They run into billions of pounds, which they pay out to the shareholders every year. And uh, the chief executive officer is on $70 million a year. That's about a million pound a week in our money. Um, that's a tremendous. That's better than being a footballer, isn't it? At the top, that is. That really is good. And, of course, they bury things. A lot of other things are exposed. But it's this business. It's about money. It was about the profit that they were getting from it. But, sadly, when it comes to aircraft or anything that goes up, and I know when we have experience of the way we used to test things, is that it's going to cost lives. It's going to be tragic. And that's exactly what has happened. Now, what I want to say is this. Jesus says this to us where your treasure is also I've got to get this right let me read it out so I know that I'm doing right but Jesus said he said where your treasure is there your heart will be also and the question is this morning where is your treasure where is your treasure today as we continue in this series from Philippians which we uh, Bob and I uh, (coughs) we went through it ourselves with some others Uh, a couple of months or so ago and uh, and we come up with these different uh, aspects and this morning the title is transformed lives and that's a question for believers or if you say that you're a Christian this morning is your life transformed we've been singing about those things this morning is it changed I spoke about a few moments ago when I was saved and, uh, and my life was transformed. That's why I'm here this, uh, this morning. It's getting near this afternoon. Oh, no, no, we're well off of that now. But, but you know, that's why I'm here this morning and uh, still excited about the wonders of the Lord Jesus Christ and his great love towards me. And, uh, and as we look at this passage this morning, and, uh, and, and Paul is here looking at these trans- his own transformed life, and, uh, and we've been looking through. This was a church that he really he planted, he built up, and uh, and he continually went to them because they were a real sort of home church from where they loved. But he has so much wonderful instruction for them, and for us, it's relevant for us. That's why it's there in the Word of God. And we see that his treasure is this. He said uh, in in this letter, he says, "For me to live is Christ." But to die is gain. Why? Because he's knowing he'd going into the the, the the glorious presence of of our Savior. That's the gain. Because his treasure is well and truly in Christ. And friends, that's what he wants the church in Philippi to be. And that's where the Lord, because it's the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, that enabled Paul to write these things. Wants the church of Christ to be in the same heart and in the same mind, that we live for Christ. But death is not the end of it, friends. It's a gain because we're going to be forever in God's presence. And as we look through this little passage this morning, we'll see the transforming work of Christ in our lives. Now, uh, we find here about the transformed life in the first place. There are three stages for this. There is is an initial transform. Transformation in conversion. There is uh, an ongoing transformation in our lives. It doesn't stop there. Some people think once they're saved, that's oh, I know the Lord, and then they just don't seem they plateau out and do nothing. But this is a, a continual experience. And of course, there is the final transition, which we read about at the end of this passage, when the Lord Jesus will come again and bring this world to an end. So Paul's treasure. Is in heaven, and uh, and we were read um, this morning by Matt as he went through this passage, and I believe it's behind in verse ten. He said, uh, "The first thing in this transformation process is this: that I may know Him." He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about a few moments ago, uh, in the, as he's written this down in verse eight. He said, "Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ." Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung. I'm quoting from the AV now, that I may gain Christ. It doesn't even say that in the uh, New King James Version, which I'm reading from. It calls it rubbish, but it's dung, as Bob told us last week, like dog poo. And, um, you know, that's what the world is. You see, that's why his treasure is in heaven. And... uh, He says here, doesn't he, in verse 10, he said that I may know him, know Jesus. Well, you might ask the question, Paul, you know Jesus better than anybody. Perhaps apart from the Apostle John, who who was the closest man to him on earth. Paul had an intimate knowledge of Christ. If you read in, in some of his other letters, not, in, not least in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we find him, he said, I don't know whether I was in the body or whether I was in the spirit, but I was lifted up into heaven in the very presence of God. He He's seen the glories of Christ. In fact, when he was converted, Jesus directly spoke to him, and such was the power and the glory of the light, it blinded him he'd seen the glorified Christ the risen Christ and he was called to his work and yet here he is you see his life has been transformed and uh, and it's when at uh, that road to damascus but we find that he still wants to know more of christ he can't get enough of christ he wants that treasure in heaven and paul is you know just want to explain that knowing when you know somebody, you're in a relationship with them, aren't you? With friends, um, you know, from your earliest age, you, you, you have your parents, you're in a relationship with your parents, you're in a relationship with friends as you, as you make them and go to school, and, uh, and all through life you make relationships with people, and you get to know them and, and, and love them and be friends with them. Sometimes you fall out with them, of course, at times. But it's about relationship. I suppose the peak of human relationship is the marriage, the God-given marriage between a man and woman when we mentioned Adam and Eve earlier. He brought them together and uh, and in that relationship they become one. And and the thing about marriage and the way it works is that you really, you, you must love one another and you must want to spend time together. And so you get to know them and, uh, and you want to do things together. That's a relationship. And uh, displaying that love. Uh, of course, in human relationships, because of our sinful nature, they're up and down. And sadly, these days, because we, we don't hear about the things of God as we were talking to the children, God's rarely mentioned on television. Uh, and, and if it is, it's sometimes mentioned in a violent way because people misuse the way the, uh, the name of God. And, uh, and they don't want to talk about creation or anything like that. That's the world we're living in. And so they wonder now why there are so many people with mental problems. Uh, you're hearing on television that amongst children, mental problems are getting worse. They're going up by huge percentages. percentages. No wonder they're telling them so many drivel and rubbish, which is against the word of God. Telling them, oh, don't worry about what your gender is. Be what you like. Godlessness. And we wonder why people's lives are being shattered all around us. And, uh, you know, knowing God, this was the, the main pursuit of this man, Paul, bringing us back. His treasure is in heaven. We can know the Lord Jesus. We know him on the day we're saved. And Paul is saying, I want to know more and more about Jesus. And that's where we should be as believers. We've been singing that this morning. We've been singing about those things this morning. And we can do that. We're we blessed in this country. We've got the word of God. We can buy it freely. We can even get the word of God at Smith's in a, a secular bookshop. And, uh, and we need to acquaint ourselves by reading the scriptures. We find Christ right through the whole of the Bible not just in the new testament we get yes we do get those wonderful uh, uh messages and uh, teachings of christ and the life of christ in the gospels but we see it in the old testament he's there he's the creating god and we can learn about the love that jesus has for us because that's where we start friends we've got no love for jesus we're in darkness Uh, uh, you know there's another verse in John's gospel where men uh, prefer darkness and when I talk about men that means women as well we prefer darkness to the things of God and Jesus is that light of the world that's come in to bring us out of that darkness to shake us up and to show us that he is a God of love and it's his love that overwhelms us and friends, in knowing that relationship, we, can, we need to t- seek Christ more and more through the scriptures. Come along to a service like this. And hear in the word of God preached, we need to learn more about him. And so that we develop our relationship with him. And we have a greater sense of assurance. That means a, a knowing in our lives where we're going. And that where, wherever we walk, Jesus is there alongside us. That's the wonderful thing he's there with us and we develop that relationship by these means of grace that god has given us in the preaching of the word in the studying of the word if you're not in a home group i urge you get along there and learn more about jesus and and you know and, and we learn more about jesus as well from those who love jesus that's a wonderful thing that we can see the 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 radiance that the lord is working in people's lives and 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 it 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 shows uh, that uh, uh, way that we can, you know, acquaint ourselves more with with the Lord. Meditate. Pray. Prayer is such a vital thing. It's somewhere where we can talk to God. And he does talk back to us as well. We feel the presence of God. Beryl and I listened to a sermon of a man. He's 80. Tremendous preacher of the word. And um, he was saying when he was first converted as a teenager... He went along to a prayer meeting. Come along to prayer meetings, friends. They are the place to be. And he went along there. And this was it, it, the sad side of it was they were all old people in there. That's one of the problems that we have here at times. And youngsters, get along and pray. You can change things. But he said in that prayer meeting, he said, I dare not open my eyes. Because those people were so acquainted with God in their prayers, intimately acquainted. He dared open his eyes because he might see the the glories of Christ amongst them. He felt that. And, uh, uh, you know, that's how we want prayer meetings, isn't it? The power of Christ amongst us. And these people knew the Lord. How we need, friends, to really be like Paul and say, I want to know more of him, get more of our treasure in heaven than here on the things of this earth. Uh, we're all distracted i hold my hand up so often there are so many distractions away from the things of god but you know we can do other things and we can still take the lord with us wherever we go and uh, and we need to just develop that relationship with the lord he goes on to say here about um uh he said i want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. What's he saying there? I'll tell you what he's saying there. When Jesus wrote in the Gospels, he said, "Follow me and take up your cross." Sorry, take up your cross and follow me. I'll get it the right way round. That's what Jesus said. Well, in those days, we don't see people walking around with crosses. Um, some Christians might walk around with a cross or something, but in those days, it meant something when you saw somebody carrying a the cross, they were going to die. They were going to be punished, as Jesus did on the, on the cross of Calvary. People know why he was going to go up there. He was being uh, crucified. He was going to die. And that's what we are as believers. We die to this old world, this old self that's within us. We want to know Jesus, and we want to know uh, his sufferings in death. Well, friends, if he hadn't died on the cross would be no salvation because he took the punishment for our sin the sufferings of Christ you know when you think about his life he came into this world from all the glories of heaven and became a man as promised and he lived all the way through his life knowing that he was going to the cross it came to a point when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and do I think about that um you know we we go we suffer we have our problems and we do but we'll never go through the agony that Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane and ultimately upon the cross because he knew that he was going to die there in our place for our sin he was going to take our hell he knew that he was going to be separated from the father I don't understand that because that God is one but he was going to be separated. That's what hell is, you see. Separated from God. Separated from all the common graces of God. You know, a sunny day. Even rain. And love. And good relationships. Hell's an awful place when you read about it. Terrible. And Jesus knew that he was going to go and and be separated from the Father that loved him, and he loved the Father. And he struggled, but he said, Not my will, but yours be done. That's the sufferings of Christ. That's taking up the cross. Now, that's not easy. It's one thing to preach it, but it's a different thing to be able to live it out. But people do. They do live it out. And Paul was living it out. Time and time again, he said, I'm living under the sentence of death. And many believers are living under the sentence of death around our world today. And uh, because they're taking up their cross daily but it's something we need to be aware of and be prepared to do it because persecution is getting harder in our land today. And so he, he knows that, but he also knows the power of resurrection because when you are saved, when you are converted, when you've trusted in Christ, we are raised from the dead. As I was saying to the youngsters earlier, trying to explain to them, we're no longer like that dead pen that's useless no we're different we're filled with god the holy spirit we become uh, we we belong to the lord jesus we have been raised from the dead but yet there is another resurrection to come being raised from the dead we have a purpose in life we can see a road in life we might not be able to see all the things that are going to go on the way and uh, and that's the experience of all of us uh, we never have control of our lives christ has got control of our lives and it's about trusting in him but we are raised from the dead but yet paul goes on to say in verse 11 does he not he said uh it by any means i may attain to the resurrection from the dead he's looking forward to that he's persevering because he goes on to tell us you see that um he's been transformed by conversion but but there is a continual transforming work in our lives. Right throughout our lives, we, the Lord is transforming us. The more we know Christ, the more we take on Christ, and he overcomes our life, and the love of God flows out from him. And friends, I want to thank you. I've thanked you at the beginning of this, episode, but I have felt the love of Christ through, uh, through the Lord's people here, and I praise God for that, and I know others have as well. That's a tremendous thing. And so it's important that the love of Christ flows out, not not just for uh, one another, but to the world outside there. How they need Jesus for themselves. They're in utter darkness, and they're in deadness of sin. And so we need that love of Christ flowing through us, and we need to be persevering. We've been singing, and we've been reading here that we're running a race, that we are pressing on towards to get that prize. And he talks about, this is the wonderful thing here, that um, in this message he said, um, verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, friends, we're not going down, as it were. That's what they say uh, to somebody who's it, it's tried in a court and uh, they've been found guilty. Take them down, because that's where the cells are. Take them down, you see. And people always look at hell as if it's a place downward. Well, of course it is. But heaven is upwards. It's not in the world we can't see it. But that's where God is. And if you belong to the Lord, friends, where we're going to is upward. I just want to remind you, uh, some of you may have heard this story. My son, uh, Matthew, uh, years ago, he did a Hit It For Six talk. And he spoke about a man called John Harper. And uh, John Harper was uh, a pastor of a church in Glasgow and uh, in the early part of the 20th century. He was a tremendous preacher of the gospel. And he was a tireless worker. He was a widower. He had a daughter. And uh, they named the church of him. It's called the John Harper Memorial Church. Still a thriving church there. We know we've had one of the pastors come and preach here at a meeting once, evangelist craig dyer but uh but john harper they thought his church thought he's worked so hard that we must give him a holiday oh there's a new ship being launched the ss titanic and this man and his daughter and i believe it was his niece took uh, shipping as it were and went on the titanic well of course we know what happens but you'll never see john harper in a film why because he was a Christian. And because when he in, the ship was sinking, and he knew it was going to sink, he went round and said, if you're a Christian, give up your life belt. That's just the sort of bloke you want to hear, isn't it? Eh? How challenging is that? He said, you know where you're going. You're going into the presence of God. Trust in the Lord, not in your life belt. And then as the ship went it gone, And John Harper was swimming around in a freezing sea of the North Atlantic. It was a calm night, a very calm night. And, uh, you know, no no noise at all. It was so quiet and still. And this man was, as he was swimming about, he was preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm using those words because that's what Jesus used. But he was preaching. One man was saved. He was on a bit of wood, so he wasn't freezing. And, uh, and he told the story. And he was going around swimming. But, you know, there came to a point when he, he knew he was about to die because his body could not longer resist the cold. And he said, I'm going down. But then he said, no, I'm not. I'm going up. I'm going upward. You see, this is what Paul is saying, friends. Upward into glory. And that man there is in the presence of God. He, he had that same spirit as Paul. And we should have that, friends. We should never, in a sense, be defeated. I know we can go for all sorts of trials and tribulations. We could even be depressed and these things. And and they're difficult things to understand. But we need to keep our eyes upon Christ, as Paul does here. Keep working, knowing him, uh, and knowing his great love towards us, and pressing forward for the prize for that, because our treasure is in heaven, and it's Christ. We go up. He also gives us a warning. He, he said, follow my example in verse 17. And, uh, but he also warns us, be careful, he said, because there are those for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. Such was the distress of his heart over these people that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Who set, who set their mind on earthly things. There are those that creep in the church and were then. And we read it. I've been reading through Galatians again of people who have been uh, uh, coming in and, and bringing different aspects into the Word of God, saying, you've got to be circumcised if you're a man to be a proper Christian. Well, that challenges. That confuses people. And there are all sorts of things. And there are those obviously going in there... Um, you know well i must have some money off you you know if you give me money you know you'll be glorifying god and the, and the people willingly do that and that's still happening today isn't it i remember working with a chap he went to some strange church over milton keen's way packed apparently and uh, and the pastor there from the united states i believe he was and uh, he they, they suddenly get up and say and he's living in a detached house. He's got a couple of BMWs and uh, one thing or another. Oh, Pastor so-and-so needs another big detached house. He needs to have that for study and, and, and entertaining. And people start giving money. Now, all they're interested in is money. And I don't watch TV evangelists, but I, I've seen, them. you know, some of them uh, beg for money there. I'd be very wary I mean, of watching anybody or any organisation that is begging for money when it comes to personal uh, glorification or personal extending people's um, wealth and and that, uh, have nothing to do with it. Nothing, Nothing to do with it whatsoever. There is this prosperity gospel. There is a health and wealth gospel that is being preached. And there was a, an organisation that's got an office in Luton. And uh, there was a lady giving out some tracts at Luton Station. I went and approached her. I took one of the tracts there. And then I tried to engage her with the gospel. Because I said, Yeah, hey, it's not right. I said, you need Christ in your life. You need to be changed. You're going to hell. Oh, I don't want to talk about these things. i want to give out the leaflets. When you challenge them with the word of God. And, and it's sad, really. But that is the thing. There is a lot of con men out there. Satan has got his people at work. And it's said that it's to their own destruction. And this, this has been going on all the way through the church uh, history uh, from the day of the Acts of the Apostles. Be wary of where you go. If people don't preach the word, run away from them. Christ is the one we need to know. This is what Paul is telling us here. And my final point here this morning is... Um, the final transformation we're transformed at conversion our lives are totally changed and there is an ongoing work of transform, transformation right up until our last breath and in, in this knowledge and loving of Christ but then comes that great day of transformation when the Lord Jesus comes again I'll read those verses to you it says this and, and this is a reminder for our citizenship is in heaven. Even now, I know we're not there yet, but we are citizens of heaven. And we'll be there either when we die or when the Lord Jesus comes again. And maybe we're not that far, maybe in the next 50 years, um, the Lord Jesus will come again. And some of you youngsters might say, oh, John Francis was right, wasn't he? And uh, (laughs) I hope so, I hope so. But it's in the Lord's... Only the Lord knows when he's going to come again. But it said our citizenship is in heaven. That's wonderful, friends. I know it's very difficult to... uh, We can read about heaven, but that's where God is. It is totally different to what we experience in this world. We experience all manner of things, don't we? We really do. Temptation of sin. And we're all tempted of sin one way or the other. We fall into sin. Well, that's gone in heaven. I can't begin to understand that no more pain in heaven no more death or parting in heaven you know that there is, there is and christ will be there it will be, be so different so wonderful no plastic bags or anything else strewn all over the place and that's the wonderful thing for it. When Jesus comes again, he's going to renew this world. He's going to renew the heavens and the earth. It it fell when Adam and Eve sinned. The whole of creation fell. But when Jesus comes again, that's a day of judgment. But that's a day of renewal as well. He'll clean up the plastic. He'll clean up the oceans. He will have all those animals that he has prepared amongst us. And we won't have to fear. We can go and stroke a lion or a tiger. They're lovely little things, aren't they? Well, they're not little. They're tigers. I'd love to stroke a tiger. But would I do it? No way. No way. It'd kill me. But in heaven, all of those things are real. That's the wonder of it. No fear. No fear whatsoever. And he says this, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Friends, we will have a body like Christ. Read of the resurrection of Jesus. He could turn up anywhere, couldn't he? You could be having a conversation about something and suddenly he would be there in the midst of you. That's the body we're going to have. An eternal body. A body that will never die. A glorified body which can shift around and move around. And we know that when we get to heaven, we'll know everybody there. We'll know who Moses is. And we'll know who Fred Jones is or anybody else that's trusted in Christ. That's the wonder of heaven and friends i cannot begin to understand and and, and talk to you about the wonders of grace there but that's where the citizenship of the lord's people that's why our treasure is there christ is our treasure but we've got a week coming up of evangelism and we should be determined within our hearts and prayerful in our hearts, praying that by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see young children come into Christ. We will see teenagers trusting in the Lord. That they might be brought out of darkness into his glorious kingdom of light. That's where we should be. That's knowing Christ. That's the passion that Paul had in his heart, to see souls saved. We should be praying for that same passion. And bringing souls to the saviour. Because they're treasure as well. You know. Storing up treasure. Bringing others to Christ. That's what Paul did. All the churches he planted. And that's where we should be. But even when the work is over. Some people say I'm glad that's over. I'm worn out at the end of it. Keep seeking Christ. Keep wanting to know him more and more. Because the work goes on. Life goes on. You may be going on holiday. Don't forget Jesus. Pray that he'll be with you in everything. Keep reading the scriptures. Keep praying. And pray that you might be able to share Christ with other people. Just keep on going and reach out for that prize that we will, in Christ, attain that glorious resurrection. One thing I want to say, is anybody here who doesn't know the Lord Jesus, friend, I urge you to ask Jesus to come into your life and take control of it. It is the greatest thing that any human being can have in their life to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to know that pathway through life and into eternity because you're a citizen of heaven. Well, may God grant this message to be a blessing to our hearts and even to the salvation of souls. Amen. Well, our last hymn,